you're listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey discuss TV about New Jersey. I'm Andrea. And I'm Jody. And this season, we're talking about the Showtime series, Yellow Jackets. And today we're recapping season two, episode two, Edible Complex. Andrea, it finally happened. It finally happened. Callie broke up with Kyle. <laughs> we knew that she was too good for him. He's kind of a dummy. It's about does. time. Well, it's interesting. I, I mean, we'll, we'll get in. We'll get into our recap. But it's funny that, like, first, first of all, what if I want to vape until my head falls off? Is funny. Yes. But the other funny thing is that we've talked a lot about um, Callie kind of like being this stand-in or this like new Jackie, and Kyle is Jeff. Yeah, he means well. Yeah, and for Callie to break up with her Jeff when Shauna never did, mm-hmm. I think is really telling. Well, and um, she she does it in order to partake in the time-honored tradition of New Jersey women, which is flirting with uh, sketchy men and while drinking <laughs> underage in a bar in New Jersey. It's, uh, it's you know, something we pass down to our, it's our younger. Yeah. One of the one of our valued New Jersey uh, heritage traditions. Exactly, exactly. Yes, I mean you're also uh, queuing us up for what really finally happened. I mean, which I also just needed to take the edge off because yeah, yikes. I understand. They've been referring to it as the Jackie Hangover, um, and I think that's I, I'm feeling it myself. Well, and they're going to be feeling it next week, I think. Oh, absolutely. So we will, like I said, we'll get into the recap. Yeah. I Just up at the top, I think I've said even in these episodes that I wasn't expecting us to see it happen so soon. Yeah, it feels soon. It mm-hmm. feels it feels like there's a lot of things that we thought there was going to be a wait for payoff for. And they were like, no, nah, we're just going to do it now. Which is making me terrified for what's to come. Any other show, this would be the thing you'd be building up to. I know. I know. Do we want our show to end with our uh tawny's jersey accent appreciation oh my god corner or do we want to open with i that, think maybe think? just start with it okay it's so um, good yeah so just to little peek behind the curtain i was watching some yellow jackets related uh content on youtube this morning and there was another interview released after episode two where uh tawny is talking with simone kessel and i think melanie's in that interview and she starts talking about her mother-in-law and the accent is so much more pronounced than it was in the other interviews that i heard uh my mother-in-law watches it through eyes like this you know and she turns it off or fast forwards it every time something i'm like you're missing half the show and it's so good i hope she's letting it go i think she is and it's so good mother-in-law it just comes out and it just the whole thing so it's it's one of two things either she's letting it letting it out more or she's it's like mother-in-law is her jersey touchstone do you know what i mean like there yeah. are a couple of words that like if you say it yeah it's well gonna, also but... i mean for me when i'm over caffeinated or i'm like really excited about something mm-hmm. it does come oh, out more yeah. so oh, yeah. it could just be that her adrenaline was up and she just kind of can't <laughs> hold it back i love that yeah so i really it's so good i'm my my prayer for the show is that the reason Ty hasn't used the reason Tawny hasn't let her Jersey accent out is she's saving it for other Ty. I want when other Ty Dark talks. Ty has a full <laughs> on Sopranos level exactly. Jersey yeah. accent. Oh yeah. God, I hope so. I hope so. Ugh. 
we have so little Jersey content at the moment, like so few bits and pieces that I think we need, I, we need the accent since she exactly. has it for real. It's not a faked yeah. one. So, okay. Well, shall we uh, recap this crazy hour of our lives? Yeah. And I think we're going to handle this a little differently this yeah. week. Um, I think we're going to start with uh, 1996 and we will just run through that pretty quickly and then we'll dive into 2021 a little more in depth. I think so. I think that, you know, we'll start I, this episode even more than most seems to have jumped back and forth between timelines a lot. And I mean, it always does. But so much happened in this episode that I think before we started recording, we were talking about the best way to not make this full chaos. And so because 96, all of the events seem to happen within one day, we thought we would talk about that first then 2021, but then maybe leave the last two scenes of both as a last conversation, the Bacchanal and the car crash. And again, we're, you should have watched the episode. So Please. we're not, we're not like necessarily looking at this as a beat by beat recap. Right. Um, so much as using those as kind of like signposts to talk about the things that happen that we want to talk about. Yeah. So if we are starting in 96, we are then probably starting with Jackie and Shauna, right? Ooh. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Uh, so it's still going on. Shauna's okay. still playing with uh, creepy dead doll Jackie. <laughs> dead ass Jackie. Dead ass Jackie, who she's posing like a doll. She's painting her face. She's braiding her hair. Ugh. It is, it's grotesque in like the very definition of mm-hmm. the word. Like it is, it's horrific but it's also like it's so horrific that it made me laugh a couple of times like when the face reveal (laughs) the face reveal of the makeup it's after bad after jackie had just said how bad shauna is at doing makeup yeah and why jackie always had to do hers well yeah and it's so the conversations between jackie and shauna are so interesting because jackie and by extension shauna or maybe the other way around i don't know but is obsessed with telling Shauna what a liar she is about everything yeah yeah and it's it's so interesting the conversations that they're having because it's like she's talking to herself but she's lying to herself about what Mm -hmm. she did with the ear and then she's calling herself out on it it's just like she is cracking well and she even says I don't know it's it's in this these couple of scenes Mm -hmm. between Jackie and Shauna where Jackie says, like, you know, the only reason Jeff slept with you right. is because I made you into someone you're not. And the only reason you slept with him is so you can imagine what it's like to be me. And then right. Shauna, like, tells her to shut up. That's not true. And Jackie calls her a liar then, too. And so it seems like for us anyway, I I mean, whatever Jackie says is the most, I think, true version of what Shauna Probably. believes about herself. Right. At this yeah. point. Yeah. There's also it's interspersed with these weird, sweet teen girl moments like the braiding mm-hmm. the hair is one but then they're joking about the freshman homecoming and talking <laughs> about gummy bears Oof, yeah and randy slipping in puke <laughs> of course of course did. it reminds me i literally i have to a note for myself because there was a party that i went to in high school where this kid earned the name nick the nickname noodles that he could not lose for the rest of his uh teen life because he just threw noodles up all over the floor in the living room and mm-hmm. then he was forever noodles like those are those weird stories very, that yeah. are like the currency between you when you're talking about, you know, your history together is like Absolutely. those ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. 
I did slip on a banana peel in a parking lot once, like a full-on cartoon character. Wait, that's a real thing? Yeah. That happens to people? Cool. Well, it happens to me, certainly. No, I'm, I'm glad to know that that's not just made up by someone's brain. Well, yeah. All that, or I'm just a living cartoon character, which is also quite possible. There's no way to know. Fair. Um, we also see that Shauna is has gone from accidentally breaking off part of Jackie to busting out her trusty knife. Yeah. Which is uh, more than a little disturbing. We also have one of Jack- one of the lines of Jackie's, which I don't know how much more we're going to see of her now that she's been um, consumed. Yeah. But uh, she says, I'm looking a little, I'm looking awfully necrotic, which I thought was funny. I, r- I wrote that down. It's such yeah. a, uh, maybe, I don't know if I just want everything to feel 90s to me. Yeah. But it just reminds me of like a line in a, like something's uh, a character in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer would see say. to me I was there gonna was... say reality bites or like, okay yeah like, like that sarcastic dry I'm gonna talk in a minute when we get back to 2021 about how Callie to me is a character from a 90s movie now mm. um interesting yeah we'll, we'll get to that but so that is sort of the current Jackie Shauna dynamic and I think maybe we can talk a little bit about what's going on around that also mm-hmm. before we talk about like Lottie and Nat and Travis because everybody knows this is happening Right. right, and they're getting more and more concerned. And Ty keeps wanting to like confront the issue. Lottie is on the side of like this is how she's processing. Let her deal with it, um, and it's starting to cause a rift. And it seems like there's a lot of sort of um, they've been living together for too long kind of rifts starting oh, to yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. People snapping at each other. The shit bucket. The shit bucket. <laughs> Do you think it was Ty? I hundred percent. It was Ty. Either that or it was Misty trying to start trouble, but. It was huh. probably Ty. Huh. In I think it her was. Sleep. Yeah, especially because I mean, she doesn't know that she did it, but she is the one who carries it out. Like, yeah, I, you know, it's an. Yeah, I think I think that was intentional on the showrunners' part for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like everybody's kind of at each other's throats. You know, mm-hmm. like Misty and Akila are blaming each other for the missing lantern, which I think we yep. will probably see again. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's Chekhov's lantern. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't wait to. Yeah, where where to go? And. uh obviously we know the show is about in a lot of ways about hunger um and so we're we're seeing a lot of that with them you know uh how ravenous they are and uh threatening to eat each other's shares and mm-hmm. and who isn't isn't okay with that and also i think lottie saying like this is shauna processing her grief and that sounds like a very smart and like thoughtful and but it has been months and as we learned Two very months, quickly yeah. Yeah, so I think that the fact that Lottie is already um, acting like this sage who knows what's best for everybody, and but very quickly proving that that's not necessarily true. Yeah, I think is is interesting. I also just want to call out Sophie Nelise's acting here. Like, there's these more over the top moments we see with her, and I think we're going to get even more of that probably with the birth of the Woods baby. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. her face mm-hmm. when she's being called out by Ty. I know. I that is that is some face acting. Yeah. I yeah. was so blown away by the sort of shame and sorrow. She looked like a child Absolutely. who'd been like accused of something terrible. It was mm-hmm. heart-wrenching. That yeah. more so than anything else in that episode actually really affected me. You could see how much grief she was still dealing with. Absolutely. Oh my God. That I see yeah. why they're all calling her out. Like she's been nominated or she's not been nominated. She's been put up for the category of like best actress in uh for the Emmys. Yeah, she's I, I think it's well deserved. I think 
the ability it's like it's it's like shame like you said and grief but it's also like a kind of defensiveness against it like you can tell she's kind of not sure whether she can or wants to defend herself right. or just to run away it's so much there it's really incredible yeah no it was really and it's also this like she looked so exposed Mm-hmm. Like Great everybody word. was yeah. seeing what she's been doing for the past two months. And so she's defensive, mm-hmm. but she's also like embarrassed and all of that. It was just, you could see it all in her face. I was really, yeah. really impressed. And then our um, audience insert coach Ben. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. Yeah. He is that poor guy. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll talk about Ben. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm a little worried about that man. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think everybody is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's sort of what's going on around this. Do you want to talk about our poor Ty and what's going on with her and Van? She is going through it. She continues to be going through it. Yeah. Um, In both timelines. Yeah, absolutely. Despite Van's clever rope (laughs) um, warning system, Ty managed to escape. And Van's a heavy sleeper. Yeah, right? I'm sorry. I'm a bad sleeper. If somebody was tied to me and they woke up, I would be awake in three seconds. Oh, so. absolutely. Well, and, and it's not even j- like she cuts the rope with something. Yeah. That's not, I feel like it would it would be less noticeable if she carefully untied it. But right. she cut through that rope and Van slept through it. Right. You know, not that, I'm not blaming Van, but she does wake up just I'm just jealous time. of Van's ability to sleep through the <laughs> exactly. night. Exactly. Um, but she wakes up just in time to chase Ty out into the woods before. It seems like Ty is following that figure that yeah, like a um, man with no eyes. I've been calling him Slenderman. Yeah, he looks like Nicholas Holt is who he looks like okay. the actor. Yeah, um, no, she's definitely following him through the woods. Yeah, and uh, but it's it's hard to tell if he's leading her to the cliff that she almost walks over, or there. So so Van follows Ty out into the woods. She gets to her just in time before she goes over this huge like precipice mm-hmm. that would absolutely have killed her. Yeah. And so what's unclear there is if if that whatever that figure is represents whatever she was following if it was leading her to her death there's a close up of the symbol mm-hmm. um on the tree, tree there right at the edge, so yeah. maybe that has something to do with it maybe it's neither of the two we don't really know. Right. But but thank God Van didn't die one of the 10 times she almost died because she just saved uh Ty's life. Well this is the first time of many during this episode, I wrote in all caps, she would have frostbite. <laughs> they would well, all have she frostbite. Was barefoot. I mean, well, she had socks on, but like. So many it's times Canadian they're walking outside. Cold. Yeah, with socks on or with mm-hmm. like fingerless gloves, yeah. as if. I'm sorry. I. For our listeners, if you have not watched the show alone, everyone had their um, pandemic watches. <laughs> Mine was a survivalist show called Alone. And some of oh. it takes place in the Yukon. Yeah, Alone is wild. Have you watched it? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yep. So I know a lot about survivalist <laughs> situations for a suburban New Jersey-born uh, college professor. <laughs> and this, the, the fr- lack of frostbite here is starting to get to me. Yeah. But anyway, off the soapbox. So we're still in the attic after after we bring Ty back. The thing to me that that stuck out there was that Van wants to talk to Lottie about right, it. Right, right, right. And Ty is like, absolutely not. And so yeah. you see again that split of Van thinking like Lottie can help. Look what she did for Travis. She calmed him down during the panic attack. And right. Ty is like, no, no, this is not, we're not doing this. Yeah, and she's also treating that what Lottie did in that scene as something kind of miraculous. Mm-hmm. But it's also not... I, Unless we're really believing that 
Lottie placing her hand to Travis's chest and telling him to breathe, that there was something um, more significant passing between the two of them in that right. moment. Well, um, that's yeah. not, I mean, that's like, you know, that's what, that's what people should do when they have panic attacks. That's yeah. one of the things people should do when they have panic attacks. Yeah. Like, but she, we're fully so. into the subjectivity of the experience now, right? Yes, like, exactly. It's the Absolutely. idea that if Travis believes and Lottie believes that that's doing something beyond just reminding him to breathe and it's actually something supernatural, then they can both have that experience right. and it can feel very real. Yeah. And he says as much to Nat shortly thereafter. Right. Yeah. It does seem like he has this interesting, he's kind of straddling this, like, you know, I know that maybe this isn't real, but also I really want it to be because what else are we going to do out here? Like, how right. are we going to get through this? Which I totally get. Like, depending yeah. on the day you catch me, I am either very into astrology or not. <laughs> like, oh, I would be making <laughs> altars, probably not with, you know, dead animals, but I would be like burning sage and, yeah. and you know, saying like weird Wiccan prayers if it made me feel better. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you do what you've got to do, I think. And I think that Travis is really leaning into that and it appears to carry over um, into his into his adult life. Um, yeah. Well, and we can talk right here, actually, about about Nat and Travis going off on their adventure. I thought something that was interesting at the very beginning of this was we see Nat looking out the window and seeing Lottie kind of placing her hands on Travis's shoulders um, in sort of a reassuring gesture or some sort mm -hmm. of blessing. And she immediately like grabs the gun and is like, let's go. So there's obviously like it's important to remember that as serious and like uh, higher stakes as a lot of this is, these are also teenagers trapped together. So like, yeah, on the one hand, she's struggling with that supernatural versus real divide and wanting to just figure out how to survive in very practical ways. And the other, the boy that she is in love with, it seems to be yeah. connecting with another girl. And yeah. that's also hard for her. Yeah. And I think that I I read something that the right um, was either the writers or the showrunner was talking about how to them it's not necessarily like a love triangle but it kind of is taking the form of that in that like it's more about Travis being torn between what Nat represents and what Lottie represents Absolutely, versus Nat and Lottie yeah. as people, mm -hmm. um, which I think is is interesting. And so they go off to go for their likely daily. It seems like. Uh, hunt slash uh, search for for Javi. Yeah, um, their their hunt for Javi that is for Nat is really a hunt for game, um, yeah. more than anything. And obviously, both are proving fruitless. Mm -hmm. This uh, this scene when we first see them out in the mountains, good lord! Like a lot of so a lot of this season was shot on a soundstage, mm -hmm. but apparently these scenes were shot actually out in Alberta. Oh, wow. Like, really in the mountains, like, freezing. That's really cool. They're gorgeous scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Like, you can't really... I'm sure you could try to do that with CGI, but it just felt so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Like, they're surrounded by these giant mountains that, like... It's crazy that that exists. Yeah. It makes their... Um, for me, anyway, like, I'm like, how... Because I've been going back and forth with, like, I hope... In a way, in a really 
um, kind of sadistic way. I hope we find out that they are three miles in the wrong way from some camp or something. Yeah, from a right, mall. like just exa- exactly, um, just from just based on a lot of the the way the show has kind of put up, like how significant are these things, and what's just random chance, and what's you know. Mm-hmm. And so, part of me really kind of wants that to be the case again. It purely sadistic. Yeah, uh, but then you see way. those mountains, and it's yeah. And now I'm like, how are they ever getting rescued? Yeah, the fact that we know they get rescued it like i it feels to me like it can't be anything short of miraculous though my guess is it probably will be something very simple right Uh, and once again they should have frostbite i'm just gonna put a (laughs) pin in that every time i have in big letters they would have frostbite yeah look at what they are wearing yeah like i understand they were not flying to go spend time in the canadian wilderness they were flying to nationals but but like they would have frostbite yeah, well, and they even, they had that one um, scene in the premiere where they're stuffing, like, newspaper and stuff into their clothes. So they want us to know that they've thought about it. And I think we're just supposed to be like, okay, well, yeah. And then, you know, Nat took her pants off for a second in the middle of the woods and she'll be fine. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's, I'm sure that that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where we see them split up. And this is, like, every horror movie in the world. You're like, yep. what are you doing? Exactly. Why would you do that? Why would you separate? I think Scream was already out at this point. Like, horror movies were back by 96, I think. Um, I mean... Actually, I don't know if that's true. Everyone Almost. has to know that in a horror movie, you don't split up. Like, there were horror... I mean, when did, when did like, Halloween and Friday the 13th oh, and all, all that way come before out? This. That was 80s. Yeah, but so. there was, like... This is a totally different podcast I would love to... to be. The, the resurgence of horror movies. Yeah, because okay, so oh man, that's fun to think about. Yeah, there was because there was like from like the late I would say eighties, like there was like ten years where they Scream brought the horror genre back. I think in a big way, and sure. that didn't come out until ninety six, the end of ninety six. So they missed. Well, they're it. in the woods. Oh, that's so funny to think about. Yeah, but but yeah, so they they split up. But it's another good example of like weirdly not being this really practical like she says okay but we need to have a plan we need to meet Uh, and this thing with the sun hitting the peak of the mountain you know the the symbol symbol. yeah 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 we're seeing a lot of hints to the geography um of where they are playing into this symbol and uh i think we'll talk a little bit more about that in the theories little uh window we have at the end i think because of the the We'll talk about it. One other thing about this little conversation, it's just two lines, but um, Travis says, like, Nat's going in the way they're going to go, and he decides he wants to go the other way, and he says, we've been that way. And mm-hmm. that's when Nat says, okay, fine, if we're going to split up, then we need a plan. And it's so funny when we think about which of these characters are kind of trapped with their old ways and revisiting the past and all of that and thinking about Nat in the future, that she is, like, like kind of, like, treading land that they've already tread and that Travis is the one looking for and again I mean he's still it's because at this point he's, he's looking really for looking Javi. for Javi for of course yeah. but it's also interesting that he's the one who's like continuing to look for like quote unquote new ways um, yeah but again it speaks know. to how practical Nat is because she yes. says something about how like the brush will have snow mm-hmm. on it over there and we won't see the game and yeah she's so. becoming a, like a real tracker she it's is cool Again, yeah. I love them building up these survivalist uh, skills. Yeah. 
Well, and it has to do, I think, with we hear later or previously somebody says something about how now without Nat, they wouldn't have gotten rescued. And I think this yep. is kind of where maybe where we're going with that is yeah. her, her skills developing in the woods. You know, they, they meet back up and Nat is holding a young boy's cargo shorts covered in blood and torn. They're like in tatters. Mm-hmm. And uh, Travis recognizes them as Javi's shorts. Which she took out of a suitcase. <laughs> right, which is revealed very quickly. Yeah. She took them out of her suitcase. She cut her leg, blood all over them. Ugh. And it's like, Ooh. I don't, I know what she's trying to do and it does work, but it seems, I, I have I, a problem so, with it. I, yeah, I see why she's doing it. And it does seem, it does seem to work in the moment, mm-hmm. but it's a, uh, it's Chekhov's cargo pants. Like, yeah, we're, we're that's not the end of this situation that we're going to hear about because Javi either is alive or they're going to find him and he's not going to be wearing those pants. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, and I think. All the more with as brutal as this show is, I don't know which outcome I think would be. I know it would be worse for Travis and Nat's relationship, obviously, would be that she lied and and Travis finds that out. But I don't know overall what I think is worse for everybody that like. So I'll be interested to see how this plays out. Yeah. I mean, Um, I want Javi to be alive. If they don't have frostbite and they're walking around in the Yukon, then he should be alive. Well, and Lottie thinks he's alive. Yeah, she can still she's, feel him. She says she's not all often wrong. Yeah, she's 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 not often wrong in her in the in the like in those in premonitions, intuition, and exactly. Yeah. yeah, she's she's clearly a little bit of a charlatan, but uh, mm-hmm. it seems like her, so far anyway. We've her, her name's Charlotte. Oh, hey, look at that! <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. We learned that I think for the first time in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I know it's I, it's interesting that they all call her Charlotte. We'll we'll uh-huh. talk about that. Um, so yeah, they she pulls out the pants with the blood on them. We see how she, that how that came to be. He's freaking out. He's trying to go and run and search for him. And she's like, I dug, I screamed, whatever. Um, and he's obviously grieving. I really get where Nat's coming from here mm-hmm. because it whether Javi is alive or not. Travis needs well I don't know I don't know that it's up he it's funny to look at Travis Travis's grief you know up against uh Shauna's because I was just about to say I don't know if it's up for us to decide like when a person needs to let go but I think in some cases Mm. there are clear signs when it's time well and I think so to me if I was making excuses for Nat, and again, I don't agree with what she did, but if I was making excuses for Nat, it would be that to her, in her mind, there is no way in hell Javi is alive. Right. If he was, I don't think she would be doing this. I think she would right, She right. would still be continuing to look, but to her, there's no chance in hell. He's clearly dead. Travis mm-hmm. is holding on to it. She needs him to let go of it. He needs to let go of it for his own mental health. Um, but I think it all hinges on the fact that to her, he's dead. Right, There's no right. doubt in her mind. Otherwise, I don't think she would be doing this. Um, well, the next thing that happens is happening back at the cabin right before Nat and Travis get back. We're, we're getting to the really uh, difficult yeah, parts that's the of, word. The, uh, this, yeah. of the episode. Ty goes into the shed because she's suspicious of what shauna is doing in there and concerned mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. um and sees jackie uh in that condition and runs out to confront 
Shauna. We said this already. It is grotesque, but mm-hmm. it is comical. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's the big confrontation, right? Where, and this, I think it's interesting. This is where we see again the split between Ty and Lottie. Mm-hmm. Because like Ty runs over and grabs Shauna and then Lottie grabs Ty and then Van is grabbing, like, you know, trying to separate yeah, Lottie it's... and Ty. And you can see these like coming, the coming split that they keep mm-hmm. talking about into these different like clans. You can start to see that Lottie and Ty, and this shows up um, in a minute when Shauna finally lights the pyre. And you see everyone goes inside except for Ty and Lottie, and one is standing on either side of her. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very clearly crafted oh, setup. In the timeline of the episode, it cuts back and forth a couple of times. But what happens very quickly is Ty calls her out, says, tell everybody what you're doing. They build the funeral pile, pi- funeral pyre and bring Jackie's body out instantaneously I mean she says like this needs to happen before sunset right and Ty and Lottie are the ones that go and get the body right and Um, there's like a little conversation between everybody about whether or not Jackie gets to keep her jacket yeah Um, I mean Akilah's practical here like that is they have no clothes that are warm exactly keep the stupid jacket it's not like you're it's not like you're stripping her naked like you're just taking the jacket like give it to Shauna let Shauna's jacket to go to someone else right Shauna can wear Jackie's jacket like I think it's, I I don't think that was an unreasonable, and then, I forget, what does Mari say here? Mari says something. Oh, gosh, yeah. So Mari says, oh, now you're her protector, too little, too late. That's it. This is like. Mari's a shit starter. Like, she really. Mari's asking to be hunted. Well, and I, is she the one who earlier on, I could be wrong, but threatens to eat Shauna's share? Yeah. Yeah. She's. She has not said anything nice about anybody in quite a long time. We're 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 being set up to think she's being kind of like a, a shitty, um, you know, crash survivor community yeah. member. Yeah, yeah, Which, that was rough. If you know, if we're we're wondering who's going to be pit girl, like she I mean, continues to garner no no favor. No, she continues to give people reasons to like not be too sad if uh, mm-hmm. if they go hungry and and need another victim exactly we also see here lottie is not stopping this from happening Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting i was kind of half expecting given what we had seen earlier for her to really fight ty more on this but i think she sees that it is probably best for everybody yeah because ty says like did you know she was doing this lottie clearly did not know that shauna was in there putting makeup on a dead body no and no. she's shocked she sees because she's kind of helping shauna she sees the chunk taken out of uh Jackie's she does arm. and she says nothing she right. just covers it up yeah but so. she's start- and you can see she's looking at, at shauna with a lot of sympathy yeah, there absolutely she's not horrified she looks sort of like she's concerned but yeah yeah for sure exactly and then we get to see shauna's goodbye speech mm-hmm. which is short but uh intense yeah I don't know where I quite I mean she literally like I don't know where you end and I begin when you have because I ate your ear I ate your ear and yeah it's in my stomach and I'm pregnant with your boyfriend's baby Jesus Christ yeah I actually had already forgotten that um so oh I'm just thinking about the physiology of that in turn like that baby takes in the nutrients that Shauna eats um also, oh, oh God. it shows a lot about where these girls have kind of devolved to that when they buried all of the 
uh, people who died. Mm-hmm. It was very important to them to try to say something about those people, even if they didn't know them that well. That's where we got that now she'll never hear Wonderwall again line. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. one, Shauna is the only one who even says anything. And I know part of that is probably everybody thinking like, well, it's Shauna's place to say it. Right. But in terms of like ceremony here, a funeral pyre looks pretty ceremonial, but they don't they don't do a whole lot. Yeah, nobody else says anything. Mm-hmm. And actually I was surprised at how little time they all spend at it i mean i know it's cold out and they're all tired and hungry but you know they stand there for a few minutes and then everybody walks away except for ty and lottie with Mm -hmm. shauna yep and even they don't stay very long no yeah and then oh one thing that we should note is that um during this time nat and travis come back find out what's happened everybody sees um javi's quote you know javi's Javi's bloody pants yeah and then um Travis puts them on the funeral pyre. Right. Which is a beautiful symbol. Travis... And also possibly a blood offering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. And we know that Travis really is a fan of symbols. So the burning of the shorts is significant for him, for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. So they go inside. Um, everybody goes inside. Nat and Travis go off by themselves. Mm-hmm. And we see Travis start to, in a way, let go. Mm-hmm of Javi and that's kind of signified by the fact that he turns to Nat and you know she's been looking in the past like she's wanted to kiss him in like the last episode and he finally goes for it and they're like making out and this is the part where I started to feel like I really want to I want to be okay with all of this but I'm starting to feel like I mentioned this before we started recording the effects that are going on during this scene really took me out of it. And I hate to say that. I fucking love this show. There's no argument there. But I'm, how did you feel about this scene? I'm wondering if... I, I'm trying to read it generously because <laughs> I like this show so much. And there are yeah. two possibilities that I don't know that I believe either of them are what's happening. But one is that because the show wants us to be feeling ambiguous and for feeling the ambiguity here that mm-hmm. to make these look too realistic in terms of like, I don't know how, like when we're talking about the super, like, you know, realistic supernatural um, yeah. that that might make like lend a little too much to being like, Oh, well this is like if the slender man, if Nicholas Holt walking through the woods looked too real, then it sure. would be hard to argue. Another thing is just that like, I am really forgiving for bad special effects on TV shows because I was such a fan of Buffy and because like even Lost had a lot of money and mm-hmm. like there's the scenes with the polar bears that I've I know re- and those are bad too. So like, I know. But, and I thought about that too. But, I definitely did. But also the budget for this show is not Buffy the Vampire Slayer budget. Right. Like this show's but got I, money. Yeah. But I thought about that too is like it is we've talked before about how we're a little defensive of this as a genre piece when people kind of pick it apart for like the melodrama and like all of this stuff. And we're like, yeah, but it's like referring back to that like 90s thing. And I think Mm -hmm. I am doing the thing that I accuse other people of doing of being like, but I don't like this like fake special effects stuff. It just took me out of the scene. Yeah. It felt like I don't need that. Yeah. I I No, go ahead. No, please. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that I think the thing that I am obsessed with and love so much about this show is more about the relationships and the exploration of trauma and not so much this, is it supernatural? Is it not? It's like, I, if I can see, 
I can accept fugue states. I can accept like people not sleeping and hallucinating. I can accept like things that feel real but aren't or mass hallucinations. This to me felt a little off. That's all I'm going to say. I, this whole scene I struggled with. First of all, the scene is too long. It's I think it's by far the longest scene in this episode. Maybe it just yeah. feels that way because there's only one thing really happening. But it's like, and I know that this is a significant moment because it's also the last thing that happens before the big yeah. thing that happens in 96 yeah. happens. And it's also a really drawing a, a kind of well it's not even a line really it's because Travis and Lo- or Travis and Lottie Travis mm-hmm. and Nat are having sex which mm-hmm. I I know the internet has already made much of this but I can't let our show go by without this episode opened with everybody talking about how bad they smelled that too and I just yeah. like I, I thought you were going to comment on the condom thing because we had oh. a whole conversation with coach Ben last uh, also last season i don't about... know that anything can survive in the ecos in the like i know in the like biome or whatever that is happening in these people's bodies so i'm not too yeah <laughs> i also wouldn't be surprised if at this point the girls aren't having their periods anymore from starvation that's a really good point too but yeah. i i just i don't know that anything could protect nat from the, the like horrific uti that she's about to oh god it, I, there's just i just think there's just no way like i couldn't oh. believe and for this scene to be so long i just couldn't i it but, yeah but what's interesting to me about this scene in particular is, especially what what you said earlier about them, about this not really being a love triangle, is right. Travis isn't imagining having sex with Lottie no. while he's having sex with Nat. No. Like, Lottie is there. I don't know what. Observing? <laughs> what, I don't know. Guarding him? Like, I don't know. Casting her golden glow upon yeah. their, their holy union? Like, I don't really yeah. know what is going on there. It... It threw me, I will say. This is this scene I could have done without. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that it did or said anything that we didn't already see happening yeah. in other ways, right? right. Like, the split Absolutely. between Nat and Lottie and how that's affecting Travis. Like, I think we saw that when Nat and Travis were in the woods, mm-hmm. on the mountain. Um, and I think the part of this scene that was important was seeing travis turned back towards nat after deciding that javi really was dead right right absolutely but i i didn't need this back and forth glowy diffuse glow filter and premiere moment like <laughs> i i hate to even i hate to criticize anything about the show because you know how I, how much i love it but that but scene kind of says took me a out. lot that you are so yeah, hesitant it, and it uh, is I, I it mean, makes me right. sad to criticize it but i also just don't need this isn't me being i don't want listeners to think i'm one of those people who's like there's never a point for a sex scene in anything and back in the right. good old days we would just close the door we didn't have to be on the other yeah. side like no but i just don't know what for this show we get i don't from, either from i mean scene. i have to try to trust that there's going to be some sort of payoff from this scene that we don't know about yet that there's that it's going somewhere right 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 i don't know where but that it's going to have a reason for being that we don't see yet that's my hope yeah that's my hope. Um, do we want to leave 96 here? I think so. And come back. Yeah, everybody goes to sleep. And yeah, yeah, everyone goes to sleep and then maybe some stuff happens later <laughs> that we'll talk about. All right. So we will start then with Callie. With and... the angstiest of all teens. My God. She's weirdly starting to win me over. <laughs> like... So... Can I can I give my Callie is a 90s teen movie star please, speech? Please, please. All right. 
this scene started it for me and then the bar scene really cemented it. Her attitude is so Gen X teenager. Her, <laughs> so it's her clothing, but yeah. you know, whatever, that's come back around. But yeah, so she just, there's something about her sarcasm. Her She is her mom, but like, and I know we're supposed to think that she's in 2021, but half the time when I'm watching her, yes. I forget that we're in 2021 and I feel like this is a kid from 96. Mm-hmm. And so like, we'll talk about this part in a little bit, but when they're at the bar and she meets Jay slash Matt, <laughs> yeah, um, her first joke answer for the crossword puzzle is satanic. And I was like, this is such a 90s, 90s. thing. Yeah. Like the satanic panic mm-hmm. and like just trying to be a like a badass. It mm-hmm. was so cheesy. I was like, she's in her she's her own 90s movie right now. Maybe I want to vape until my head falls off. Right. What right. If my only way of dealing is to numb myself into oblivion. Those lines don't fly now. Those lines play like pretty straight in a 90s movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's very, um, it's it's very my so called life. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the self seriousness of Claire Danes in that show. There's something about that too. I think, man, that is the self. When did my so called life come out? Before Dawson's Creek, I can tell you that. Um, the self seriousness of teens in the '90s, and I, I talked about Scream earlier, and it's another example which Kevin Williamson wrote Scream, and he wrote. Uh, he was the like head writer on Dawson's Creek and mm. his teens talk like they're 50 years old and so do the teens on Buffy and it yeah. at the time it was like kind of groundbreaking because it was like oh they don't talk like teens but the whole point was I'm not listeners I'm not saying anything new this is just a either a reminder or if you weren't a 90s TV obsessive um, the whole point was that like these are teens who can articulate feelings that the teens watching maybe haven't figured out how to articulate yet and that's really helpful and useful in a lot of ways and to me like Callie's sort of doing that here um it is a it's way over the top melodramatic but it's but those are what your feelings even if you couldn't you know she's she's also like trying out some like teen poetry here (laughs) like just out loud yeah everything I thought uh... was real is a funhouse full of mirrors (laughs) oh absolutely I mean she's like you know yeah, she's writing bad poetry in her journal <laughs> with, like, little skull sketches next to it. Yeah, and poor um, Kyle, that doofus. Oh, my God. He's but so, so just just point of clarity, My So-Called Life, 1994. Oh, yes, thank you. So, yeah, yes. so just before. Perfect timing. Mm-hmm. So I she, was fully I, obsessed. I almost did it right then. I almost said, so she was watching it and obsessed. But no, she wasn't, unless she's watching, like, her mom's old DVDs. Like, right? It, it really, their house, too. The Shauna's family is stuck it's like how in like a shakespeare play if the if the like if the king or whatever is sick then the kingdom is sick like shauna is stuck and so her family is like their house the wood Mm. paneling and all like and i know that's dark yeah well it's dark and it's also like nobody's got that wood paneling in in 2023 unless they've owned their house since 1998 which probably shauna and jeff did <laughs> like probably I'm they sure got they married bought it with the yeah the settlement money and they've been living off of the settlement money and jeff's job so like so anyway yeah. so the whole family is really kind of stunted i think is the issue here yeah yeah um this is we also see that he's maybe kyle's maybe a hockey player i don't know <laughs> r.i.p kyle i know he's not dead <laughs> but he's probably he's probably out of our lives he's so funny she goes she's like uh you know uh something i forget exactly what the line is but she says something about uh 
they're, my parents are so focused on themselves dealing with their own stuff, whatever, or so focused on themselves to see what I'm dealing with. I forget, but he mm-hmm. gives a very like, all right, I'll bite dealing with what kind of thing. He's just yeah. like, I'm doing my best girl. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really equipped yeah. for this. Are we going to eat pancakes or what? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so the next time we see Callie, she's uh, in her room holding on to the little bit of the burned photo. <laughs> and she's thinking of, about uh, how cool Adam. it looks that she's sitting there in silence staring at this burnt picture. And just as a photographer, I have to note some of the framing that they're doing in the house is really cool. The way that they're framing these scenes, the frames within frames, the like in this scene with Callie in her room, you can see her hands in a mirror of reflection the entire time. It's obviously oh, cool. framed on purpose. Yeah. There's not they're not doing anything. I don't think there's like a plot device there. It just looks cool. It, if you're like a, a photographer, videographer type person, I've, you're already probably seeing these things. But that scene, I just was like, oh, look, you can like, her hands are perfectly framed in that little round mirror. It's so, so uh, good. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. Because it means the people making the show are really taking care and thinking about it. You know, even of if, course, yeah. even if that doesn't, although there's some mirror stuff later and she does say, so, you know, we'll, we'll focus on mirrors. I think maybe mm-hmm. moving forward, it's worth, uh, yeah. worth doing that. Yeah, nothing weird was happening in the mirror there. I just oh, thought no. it was framed nicely. That's cool. And then she and Shauna, the people in the show are complicated. But Callie had just been complaining that her parents are too focused on themselves. The first thing Shauna does, when it seems, when Callie gets home is check in on her and try to mm-hmm. get her to spend some time with her. Which yeah. which Callie shoots down over and over again, which I kind of like, you know, I get it. Like, she does, as far as she knows, like... Her mom, they haven't found Adam's body yet, but like, as far as yeah. she knows, her mom is, is, there's like foul play afoot for sure. Right. Uh, and I, we see this push and pull between them a lot this episode. Like, mm-hmm. we'll talk about the scene in the kitchen in a minute, but there's a lot of this, like, Callie wants her mom's attention and care and affection, but whenever she tries to get it, it doesn't come the way that she wants it to because right. Shauna's like a self, self-centered like narcissist and so she's like reaching for this thing and shauna's giving another version of it back and they're just not meeting each other it's really it's kind of sad actually yeah yeah um so yeah shauna knocks on the door wants to spend time with her i noticed um callie's jewelry little holder thing is an antler a couple little cute little fun nods in there yeah yeah um and then we go to the kitchen where Shauna's cooking meat again. Shauna's? And she's taking a lot of care to shape that little burger what that? or whatever. That little patty. She's mm-hmm. spending so much time like with the spatula just making yeah. it absolutely perfect. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what she, are you doing? It's, it's one of the things that, that Shauna really uh, is like caring or careful about is how she handles meat. Um, Jesus, yeah. Yeah. She's real good at it. So she and Kelly are in the kitchen, doorbell rings, and it is Kevin Tan. We get to see Kevin again. I am starting to have a theory that Kevin is the only man in this show with a brain. <laughs> and I don't know, because he he yeah. doesn't trust Shauna. No, of course not. Of course but not. But everybody else is sort of like, oh, do-do-do, walking around, like, yeah, going along with whatever. And he's like, something, this is, something's weird. It's, that is 
when it seems so intentional, at, at least it feels very intentional that the men in this show are pretty smooth brained. Mm-hmm. Although, so the thing with Kevin, though, is that or, or it's not even just that they're pretty smooth brained. It's that they are on the surface what you think they are. And, yeah, they're kind of harmless. Yeah. And they're not devious. And they're not. Kevin's a cop and he's doing his job. So in that way, he is. It, it's like what it says on the tin, you know, like. Yeah. So, so in that way, he doesn't really betray that whole kind of um characterization of the men in the show but at the same time you're right he's the he seems to be the only one i think i think you said who has a brain who's like using his brain um, yeah in a way to like boy is he such a cop in this scene though just his tone and his like yeah like he could be in an episode of uh of like uh law and order or something like yeah. you know who he's doing i just realized he's doing colombo he's like one more thing <laughs> like it's like <laughs> but at the same time like she's lying to him this whole time yeah. and she's telling stupid lies you think they can't get the text messages well and well okay here's my question about that first of all for someone who is such a liar and has been such a liar as jackie continues as dead ass jackie continues to remind us sean is not a good liar no she's very casual i have to say if i didn't know her she doesn't have any real she probably does have tells but not that are like on the surface that's a good she point. doesn't hesitate no that's a good but point. she just says stuff that can be easily mis- disproven i guess maybe that's what it is lying seems to come very naturally to her yeah she's just not thinking but she's far enough ahead. Dumb shit. exactly because it's like when he said he has the records i'm like when you get, I don't know, maybe I'm stupid. I mean, I am stupid, but maybe in particular I'm stupid about this especially. Doesn't that mean he can see what they are? I would think. I would think so. And also, I mean, I know that they don't have his phone. Right. Right? So maybe, Because they kept his phone. But if they know how many text messages there were, how, how hard can it be to find out what they say? Also, the other thing I noticed that she did that was stupid was she says the reason there were so many text messages is because she had to hound him to submit a claim mm-hmm. they Which didn't submit they a claim didn't submit a claim they didn't submit one yeah. that was the whole point in the You're story right. was that like she didn't want to and he was like no we'll just fix it all of these things are easily disproven mm-hmm. so and then callie shows up and and saves mom by being like hey you said we were going to go to the mall because callie sees that that her mom is lying through her teeth yeah Cal- to cop. callie again like this is one of those things where i was like man she's like boy does she like <laughs> hate her mom the way teenagers hate their parents where it's like but then you see like she also doesn't want her mom to get arrested <laughs> right like right so she yeah she really saves the day there yeah and shauna slips here a little bit because he says oh they'll be in touch if they have more questions and she's like do i need a, a lawyer? lawyer yeah and he was like why do you think you need a lawyer uh-huh. she's like uh, i don't know just watch too many shot cop shows oh and um, she says oh gosh that's just yeah like, yeah little laying it on a little thick shauna yeah and then she goes back to shaping that weird piece of meat Mm -hmm. but this is what i meant when i said that they're trying she and callie like callie has been wanting her mom's attention and then rejecting her mom's attention and there's this moment where um callie's like confronted her about why she lied and she's about to leave because she's mad and shauna goes callie Cal's like she says it in this like soft voice and Callie turns around like oh we're gonna have a real conversation and she's like make sure you go out the back door and you can see her face fall because she's like I thought we were gonna actually talk Mm -hmm. so and I don't know if maybe did Shauna think she was gonna try to say something more meaningful there and then decided it didn't seem like it it didn't seem like it to me. It seemed like Shauna Shauna's not a good mom. I'm sorry. No, no. She's just not like she 
she had already moved on. Yeah. This is not a show you watch to see good people do good things. This isn't even a show where you watch to see good people do hard things. Like, maybe Shauna might be the only one I'm talking about here. Shauna's just like, I think Shauna might just be a bad person. I know she's dealing with a ton of trauma that -hmm. she has not dealt with and that that makes people do, like, bad things. But... But she makes choices. Yeah. And she has said she kind of likes, she says, I like who I am or, or I kind of like who I am or whatever last week. And I think she means that. Like, I do too. Like when she kills the rabbit, even that's a good example. That's before everything has really popped off. And Mm -hmm. you can tell that she gets some joy out of that. And it's not just that like, well, when she hunted in the wilderness, it was different. Like, so she is less, it's like, this thing was like in her garden and she was mad and she killed it and it felt good to her. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love Shauna and there's parts of Shauna that I, that I like fully relate to, especially (laughs) young Shauna. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, not really, not really grown up Shauna, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't think we're being led to think she's a good person. So instead of going out with Kyle, like she says, she's going to, she meets Alana who is real we finally meet Alana, oh, the friend that right. she's always yeah. talking about, um, who I thought might have been, like, when I was sneaking out as a kid, I would always say I was going to Amy's house. And there was no Amy? Well, there is an Amy, <laughs> but I was never going to her house. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So we meet Alana. They're in a bar um, midday. And we meet, uh, we meet a new character we in our story. Jay. Sure. Um, who is dressed like an undercover cop. The mustache, man. Oh, my God. You I know, mean, it's partly a Brooklyn mustache, and it's partly an undercover cop mustache. Yeah. he's um. So that's John Paul Reynolds, who um, is in a ton of stuff. He's in Stranger he looks Things. looks familiar. Yeah, he's oh, in, yeah. And um, uh, Search Party and a ton of stuff. But weirdly, he's also in, this isn't the weirdly part, he's also in um, an episode of uh, Gethard's show, the Chris Gethard show. Um, oh. He's uh, he's a character, he only shows up, I think he's only in one episode where he really features, I think. Um, but he plays this character who runs the pretzel shop at LaGuardia. Uh, <laughs> and uh, listeners, if you haven't watched the Chris Gethard show, this is going to sound insane but (laughs) human fish who's a character is working at um at the airport and and the gethard show doesn't know and so greg trowell comes and blows up his spot and he has a couple of my favorite lines from the um from the entire run of the chris gethard show so he he made a lasting impression for me but he was describing any episode of the chris gethard show sounds like a fever dream (laughs) yeah oh absolutely um but uh but the he's also in a movie that i i just happened to watch last week called save yourselves um Mm. which is a, a really fun little movie and i'm only talking about it now because his he there's like something about he is just like a very watchable person i think i don't know there's something like very light about his performances mm. always that i really like and he does it here too he's just yeah like, i found him entertaining yeah um i also sh- want to point out there was uh when callie gets up to go flirt with him there's a deer painting behind her they just keep throwing them in dude stuff like and there's that. we're associating callie more and more with uh you know antlers which uh, i think is yeah, interesting yeah um they but yeah he buys find her out, a fireball a classic <laughs> but a grown man i don't care if you're from brooklyn or what in the year the year of our lord 2021 ordering a shot of fireball it's like i haven't had I, you know so for 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 himself and for a girl who is clearly not old enough yeah. to be drinking in that bar she says she's a senior at Rutgers, which 
But we find I out mean, very quickly he knows at the time is a lie. Yeah. yeah. Which is maybe that's why he orders fireball because he's like, she's a high school senior. It's probably one of the few things she's probably. <laughs> familiar with drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Although we also see, um, I think this this goes here too. Shortly after this, we see him at the police station with Kevin Tan. Mm-hmm. We find out his name is actually Matt. Matt. Um, and Kevin says something that I think is probably foreshadowing, where he says that Matt is going to royally fuck this up. Yeah. I mean, he already like bought an underage person a drink in an unsanctioned uh, undercover, you know, well, sting. I don't know. What you only call it. way for Shauna at this point to get off on the, well, Shauna gets off on this, but you know what I mean to get mm-hmm. away with this is for them to know that she's guilty but be a- unable to prosecute her. And yeah. it's like there's no other way. It's just so obvious what she's done. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've got this semi-inept, you know, aggressive young cop mm-hmm. that Kevin is trying to hold back. So, yeah, I noticed that line. I was like, "Hmm, maybe he is going to royally fuck this up." I I just can't think of any other, again, way for this show. Because I don't think this show ends with Shauna in prison. <laughs> like, maybe, but I just don't think so. I can't, it doesn't seem like the direction they're yeah. going. Yeah, so she's got to get away with it somehow. Yeah, yeah. All right, should we move on to Misty briefly? <laughs> Man, Misty. Speaking of lightness. she. What would we do without her in this show? Oh, God, such comic relief. Yeah, she only has a couple of scenes uh this so episode good, they're all delightful so the first time we see her is when she um, it's when she's calling i believe it's she's calling she's, ty yeah right There's, nobody will answer her calls but she knows she's just figured out in the last week's episode that nat has met with foul play yes <laughs> yes exactly um and I love that when we open she opens her laptop and there's three kittens as her <laughs> little background image and she goes to the message board again um, because she's posted. She wants someone to hack into the security camera outside of <laughs> Nat's hotel room. And Walter responds to her with another photo, the same photo of Adam Martin that's literally everywhere. Uh-huh. Well, it's the have you seen this boy photo, you know? Um, yeah. That's the one that goes on the milk carton. So we just get this brief scene reminding us that Walter is uh, Walter's around and we're going to see him pretty soon. Yeah. So and th- we do. Well, we hear him. I love that we've gotten... Last week, we got Walter's voice. This week, again, we got another voiceover. And then in our next scene with Misty, she's at work and we hear him shortly before we see him. Yeah. Um, And he's at the nursing home or wherever it is that she Mm -hmm. works uh, with, I guess, his mother in a wheelchair, though. I imagine that he just walked in and grabbed an old lady. He just borrowed an old person. I really think so. Just wheeled her through. Yeah. That woman was not making any noise. No, no. It's just sort of like going along but either way he's he's doing it so that he can get which means he's figured out who misty is and where she works yep um so that he can leave a letter for her with her lunch uh well he leaves a blank piece of paper yeah and he's also as he's walking his fake mom around with the (laughs) tour guide he's asking all these questions about their cleaning supplies their hvac protocol the clearances and he mentions which is one of our few i think jersey moments he says um he's asking about the staff and he's like oh i know about these like nurses who don't care these all too common sadists and for those who aren't up on like jersey true crime specifically there was a whole case that inspired a movie called the good nurse Mm -hmm. about basically a serial killer who worked as a nurse and was just 
murdering people constantly well, like quite a few like a staggering yeah, number of people a staggering I think. number exactly it's actually not a bad movie um <laughs> it's not as bad as the watcher anyway well, um yeah but um but yeah so then he walks by and uh she I, because of the terminology he's using i think he catches her attention mm-hmm. and he walks by and just like smirks at her the- and yeah it's gonna be so fun to see Christina Ricci and Elijah Wood in the same I know. scene I know. and their eyes and his it just yeah I, so I was so happy to see him on screen. also I loved his outfit oh the socks he's in the... shorts with the socks and the the little high top sneakers it was great everything you need great. to know about that man you get in three seconds he's, he's... dressed like a small child <laughs> It's uh, so good. I can't. I just can't wait for more of the two of them. I know. So then she's suspicious. She goes to the fridge where her lunch is. She sees that note that you mentioned. I love the fact that the note itself says Misty Quigley on the envelope, and then her lunch has Misty Quigley <laughs> in like a label maker label uh-huh. on it because, of course, she uses like a, a Dymo label maker to oh, label yeah. her lunchbox. Um, the last time we see Misty this episode, we have one more quick scene of her. She's cleaning Caligula's cage <laughs> with a black light, being very careful with her bird's cage any other character or any other show i'd be like oh come on but of course of course misty does and i just love she says here time for some fresh sheets Sheets. baby (laughs) i love it she loves caligula fresh sheets for the bird that's right and that's what she yeah yeah then she realizes that of course she needs a black light to read the letter doy because this is like you know a game of clue Um, so she reads the note, um, and he says that he found someone who's been living at the motel for three months and is interrogating them tomorrow and asks if she wants to join. Do we think we know who this is? Uh, Detective Quigley. Oh, Think no. about who's been at the motel for a long time. It's not just Nat? Randy? Randy's living at the motel? Remember? That's where, no. that, that's where Shauna ran into him, because remember he was going through one of their little divorces? Um, <laughs> I completely forgot that. So oh, I don't know. This is speculation, but I love if they that. if they inter- if they're interviewing someone who's been at the motel for three months and it happens to be someone we know, I feel like it could be Randy, and Randy knows some shit. Yeah, Randy knows some shit. That's a really I mean, good point. Randy doesn't might not realize that he knows some shit. Yeah, but he does. Yeah. But when you think about like what does he know that would be important. Well, he knows to... he knows about Jeff and the money, right? That he borrowed mm-hmm. money. And he knows that Jeff is the one who blackmailed the the team. Right. And right, so right. You Which know, and Misty Shauna has... doesn't know. No, because Shauna has told them that it was Adam and that's why she killed him. And now if Randy tells Misty right. that Jeff was blackmailing the the team, but Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. This is this is speculation. Um I have I just I wonder like why else are they going to the motel to interrogate someone? It just it seems like a big thing for them to do. I don't know. I could be I could be wrong. I mean, I think I'm now going to be disappointed if you are wrong. I am too. <laughs> okay. So that's that kind of covers Misty. Let's deal with Lottie and Nat because this is sort of our our other big chunk mm-hmm. where we found out a lot of stuff that we didn't know before. Right. Um, before we get to Port Thai. All right. So where do we start with those two? Um, we start with um, the morning after Nat has confronted Lottie for kidnapping her. Mm-hmm. Things are very peaceful. 
Everybody's going about their business. Uh, People are watering gardens. Exactly. Yeah. Lottie uh, corrects, you know, Nat calls it a cult. Lottie corrects her. It's an intentional community. These are people yes. who are working through their trauma. Nat refers to her followers as purple fucks. And that's yeah. when, which I know I try to keep my um, my Reddit dives and stuff to a minimum, which that's so clearly I don't. Well, so it bubbles. To, so I know what people are making a lot of because I can't avoid it then. Um, yeah. And it's so she says it's not purple. It's heliotrope. Mm-hmm. We make the dye ourselves. And so now we're all, everybody's going wild for this heliotrope now on the internet. Lots of hits on the Wikipedia for heliotrope yeah, this I'll week. Yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet. Um, but yeah, so they're walking through this beautiful campus um, near the lake. They're kind of jabbing at each other. And then... Which is um, very fun because that's two people who have yeah. known each other for a long time. Yes, like, that know how to get at each other, yeah. right? Like Nat says, last I heard you were finger painting the loony bin. <laughs> and now you're running a cult. And Lottie says, oh, you're getting out of rehab for the fifth time, I heard. How's that recovery going? Like, they're just kind of so taking funny each other because down. because when we see Lottie with her followers in the in season one, she's, like, very much in a sort of character. You know, she's this big. But as soon as she's talking to Nat, she's, like. You mean in episode one, yeah. Yeah, episode one, yeah, of, this, yeah. of season two. Um, but when she talks to Nat, she's right back to she's like whatever like the pretense or whatever Mm -hmm. is gone there and we see that even more when um the girl comes up that was the one that nat stabbed with the fork whose name we Um, still don't know right which is interesting but she comes up with a smoothie (laughs) for um lottie for charlotte yes for charlotte sorry for (laughs) charlotte and this is where i'm like okay Something else is going on with Lottie here because yeah. random girl who we don't know who's been stabbed with a fork is clearly afraid of Lottie slash mm-hmm. Charlotte. She expects to be reprimanded when she has included the wrong herb yeah. in her smoothie. But I thought this was definitely like we get to see the two sides of two faces of Lottie mm-hmm. right here. Right. Because we see her being we see her noticing that looking at her yep. and seeing how she's going to react to this moment. And instead of yelling at the girl, which she probably would have done, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'll just drink it, mm-hmm. you know. And then she takes one sip and she tosses the whole, like, Kitten reusable boodle. plastic cup and metal straw. Just which, tosses it. Which, again, a beautiful note from the, the like, props department here or whoever that, of course, they're using yeah. metal straws. And Although in Jersey, I don't, I don't know if this is true for North Jersey, but in South Jersey, you can't <laughs> get a plastic straw anymore. So that makes sense. In North Jersey, we only get plastic straws. We're required to throw them on the sidewalk when we're done. You have to feed them directly to a duck. Yeah. You have to find a goose. <laughs> goose chases. Force, force, force feed it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was funny. She like dumps the whole thing, which is clearly into a trash can. And it's like, whatever. such an asshole move. It really is. I don't even think really that's is. a trash can. I think that was like a planter. Yeah, it didn't look like a trash can. It was like a nice wood planter. Yeah. Yeah. So the next time we see them is in um, the cabin, one of the cabins um, on the property. It's the sharing cabin. (laughs) The sharing cabin, yes. And they're clearly going to be sharing about Travis's death. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was another time where I was like, I don't know if it's just my lack of interest in horror movies, but there was some stuff that happens in this scene that I'm like, I don't know. Well, that's why I'm wondering this scene. Yeah, this scene absolutely a lot of what you were talking about with the Nat, Lottie, Travis scene in 96 is happening mm-hmm. here, too. And it's yep. another Nat, Lottie, Travis scene, really, yeah. um, that is 
it's so cheesy as compared to the rest of it that it feels intent that I'm hoping it's intentionally so. Right. Yeah. No, I I can see that. And I think we're also really getting back into the idea of the unreliable narrator. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's really becoming the constant of this show. Oh, absolutely. But even more so here as we see Lottie telling Nat what happened, but then seeing what happened, like, more complicated than that. But then also we don't know if, like, that's also through her eyes. And that's, like, also suspect. And it's just these layers and layers and layers of, like, who the fuck knows what actually happened. Yeah. So she um, says that, how did, did he call her first? Now I don't. Yeah, she oh, says he called her the night that she died, or the night that he died, right. um, and said that the wilderness had come back, and he knew what he had to do, and it was that he had to get as close to death as possible to ask what the wilderness wanted, which all just sounds a little far-fetched, but this is, okay, this is what I meant when I said we don't actually know where this cult is, because... Mm-hmm. She says she drove all night to get to him. He's in New Hampshire. We know that. Right. So where the fuck is she? She's not in the Pacific Northwest. No. You can't drive all night. A lot of people were speculating that that's where the cult was because it's close to the Yukon and like it looks very Pacific Northwest out there. I just think this is people not knowing what New Jersey looks like. (laughs) That there are woods in South Jersey. So the other thing, though, is in this scene, and we'll get to this in a second, but they talk about trains. And Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that, too. So she says she drove all night to get to him um, and she calms him down. She puts her hand on his chest again. He's panicking. um, And then they both go to sleep. He gets up while she's sleeping, drives the truck to where he works, sets up in her story anyway, all the candles in the shape of the symbol Mm -hmm. and is going to hang himself for just long enough to get close to death. He's a flatliner. (laughs) He's a flatliner. Oh, my God, that movie. Like, Travis, what do you mean? There's not enough unless, I mean, I know that we have, so. Holy shit. I haven't thought about (laughs) flatliners in a long time. We have very, we haven't really seen much of 1996 in the grand scheme of things, of things really popping off anyway, which it sounds like they're about to. And I say that because he seems to think that, like, He seems to think that, like, the way you commune with whatever is out there, which he, by the time he becomes an adult, definitely thinks there's something supernatural out there, is to get close to death. And he says something about it in terms of, like, you know, it's when, like, the the ones who... He gives two examples. Yeah, so basically, he says he wants to get close to death as possible to ask it what it wants. And then he mentions that Lottie and um, who else that got close to death... Maybe Nat. It's interesting. So when he says that to her, we see a flash of a bunch of scenes. Mm-hmm. We see Lottie putting her head through the window. We see her as... Um, as well, in these notes, it says as AQ, which everybody referring to Antler Queen as AQ is very disconcerting for me, Andrea Quinn. I know. I know. But you all um, and should she's be very actually, suspicious. Right. And she's not actually Antler Queen in that moment. She just She's presiding over something. She looks right. very regal. Yeah. Um, we see her holding the bear heart. We also see her getting ECT. My, my, it just, in terms of this being far-fetched, the two people he names and the, those flashes, like, he says a lot of getting close to death. It's his references when she smashes, unless he's referring to something else, her head into the window, which is, like, gross, but she's not close to death there. No, I know. It seems, it seems, this is one of the reasons I'm like, the scene is just not working for me. And I, I'm hoping that it pays off later on, but well, it just feels like 
it's something that I can tell I'm just going to keep going back to because he convinces Lottie to help him as as it's presented to us, which, again, as you just said, we've got to take with a grain of salt because Lottie's the one telling us and it's focalized through her. A pillar of salt. Right, yeah, really. Sorry. Um, like a lot. Um, and I just listened to the Left of the Dial episode with friends, Nikolai, so <laughs> that's why I'm thinking of Pillar of Salt. God, that's such a good song. I know. Uh, he's the best. He's great. Uh, anyway. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, she's, she says that Travis convinces her to, to help him. She, cause he's like, if he's, he's got himself hooked up to the crane. He needs mm-hmm. to dangle until he loses consciousness so he can talk to whatever it is that's out in the woods to tell them, tell yeah. him what he wants so he can make it go away. Right. So. And then, then he raises himself up. He struggles or she raises him up. Actually, yeah. he struggles. He goes unconscious and the, and the button doesn't work. Come on. Well, again, so this puts us because even that says there's something you're not telling me. Yeah. And I've said since I think since our recap episode, at least once every episode, this is a show where the people in it are trying so hard to make meaning out of this insane situation they lived through. And what it seems to me is happening is actually they're all creating these problems for themselves. And mm. I go back and forth on whether or not I think the show will be satisfying if that's just what it ends up being or not. Um, and if we, but if we take Lottie at face value here, it's not a very interesting story. It's a tragedy and it's stupid it's an, that he died the way he accident. did. Yeah. And so, I and, mean, Jackie dying in the cold was a stupid accident ex- too. Exactly. So it's like, to me, I, I don't know if it's, if that's satisfying for me that it's like, look at all of these people struggling so hard to deal with their trauma and turning it and just continuing to make more problems for themselves. Cause Lottie even says, which, you know, is a line she has said to a million of her, um, her little followers she's like you're in a vice grip of your trauma right mm. now <laughs> just her broken toys as, oh, she, as yeah, uh, yeah Nat that refers to them yeah as. exactly yeah uh, so i don't know what i want this to be i know but what we see is two versions of it neither of which could be true we see the version she tells nat which is the button gets stuck and he dies and then we see through her eyes that she's visited by laura lee Laura Lee obviously meant a lot to her, mm-hmm. but then we see Laura Lee shuffling towards her in her nightgown. Like a zombie. Very much like a zombie, kind of stumbling over. And we get like the horror movie shot of her face sort of like turning into... It's like the ring. It's what happens to everybody's mm-hmm. face in the ring when they see true horror. And she's almost like sucked into Laura Lee's mouth. Yeah. Ugh. It is a very, again, another cheesy effect. So I don't... Yeah. And we keep flashing back to like versions of the scene where Lottie's being baptized um, by Laura Lee and the explosion behind her head, but the face looks a little bit creepier. During this sort of flash that she's having, she's totally taken in by this vision of Laura Lee and we slowly see Travis like rising up behind her. Right. And then she screams, Laura Lee disappears and she turns around and sees Travis um up up high now in on the crane which it doesn't make sense that that's not the version she tells nat because my first thought was when he's only a couple of inches off the ground just grab his legs he'll be fine yeah like you'll figure it out lift him up and so like if i were nat i'd be like why didn't you try to help his body and then and then she could say and then you think she'd say well I don't know what happened, but the crane kept rising. But she yeah. doesn't. It's a weird... 
I know. I think I think what we're meant to believe is that Lottie is desperately trying to put on this face of I am not I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not haunted by any of this. I'm good. You know, I'm here to help everyone else who is dealing with their trauma, but I don't have any. I'm right. fine. You know, and this obviously shows that she's not. Right. If she's seeing like, you know, horror movie Laura Lee. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Nat's not buying it. No. No, um, but Nat wouldn't buy it. Again, Nat isn't going to buy. It's really funny that Nat, Miss Practical in the Woods, is now the one who won't take any of these stories. That... Well, she's she's smart. I mean, she's fucked up, but, you know, she doesn't trust them, and mm-hmm. I don't think she should. No, no. Um, we do see uh, Lottie gathering the candles, mm-hmm. and so that kind of is why we saw those candle markings. Right earlier right again it's uh it was called a roberta sparrow from donnie darko jess roberts it's jess roberts coming to fuck everything up and then you find out it was tile like we've been speculating about who set these candles up and it was one of them yeah yeah um and then this is when nat again points out her hypocrisy she says every time you try to save someone bad shit happens it's happening again 25 years later but you're wearing a rolex and you have the your broken Broken toys toys. around you man that's a good line yeah she i love she's gonna stop her (laughs) i know but this is where the train station comes up where the fuck are they she says i'll take you to the train station but it's too late today um i know you have trains down there yeah well some of them but trains that run like if you want to catch an to philly if you want to catch an amtrak oh i'm thinking south jersey trains you have septa yeah we have well and we have um patco thank you sure patco is the jersey train that runs it's like 12 stops it runs in it's one line that runs east and west, and that is it. Um, You're not helping your case. <laughs> but no, but if I went, like, I'd take the train to Boston, but I have to... Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm really not. I think a place she could be is South Jersey, and a pl- and then uh, Lottie could be taking her to, like, the Hamilton Station. Sure. And then she, yeah. she could catch Amtrak to wherever <laughs> she wanted to go then. Yeah, it could also be upstate New York. That's, I think, the other possibility uh-huh. for me because there's uh, Metro North up there. Mm. So then we have our last little bit at um, Lottie's cult. We see Nat. She weirdly stumbles out of that room. That was a very, like, uh, slapstick exit. Well, that's what I said last week, too. I don't know if this actually ended up making it into the episode because we recorded for, like, two hours, which we're pushing yeah. now, too. But um, that... She reminds me of Jim Carrey. Her physicality is very... I love it. I think it's such an odd... I don't really know what choice she's making there, but it makes her so fun to watch. It was was really just... I don't know. I I just stood out to me the way she kind of like throws the door open and then like fumbles her way out of the room. Um, But she goes back to the room that I guess Lottie has put her up in for the night. And there's lavender sandals and some clothes laid out for her on the bed, which she's not having. Do you think we're going to get a scene where eventually Nat puts the purple on? Oh, we are for sure. (laughs) But then we see, I think, Nat's near-death experience in a flash here. Mm -hmm. Did you catch this? Oh, no. So she lays down on the bed. She's thrown all the lavender stuff off the bed. She's still in her clothes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So we see her lay down and then start to have a panic attack or some sort of flashback. And she sees paramedics shining a light in her face putting an oxygen mask on her and we see like a man in the background kind of walking away and i think we're led to believe that that's like a an overdose, overdose. 
um, from her past. Right. That seems like something that'll come back to us later. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is our last little bit before we get to our two big ending scenes. Mm-hmm. Ty is... Uh, oh, we have... I'll say this scene, Ty's scene starts with a, another great needle drop. It's a, a massive attack song, Inertia Creeps. And yeah. it's a montage. Ty is trying very hard not to fall asleep. And so she's drinking lots of coffee and and she's on her... Uh, what do you... What, why can't I think of what it's called? Her bike, her um, oh, her Peloton. She's on her Peloton. She's also standing outside with her face to the sun, which oh. I thought was like just a funny. It was a funny shot. She's you can see her through the window uh-huh. from the inside. Yeah, um, it's this this whole little montage is a little silly, but I, I think you know we're supposed to feel how kind of like disconnected and disjointed and yeah. Yeah, she's trying to work. She's got the TV on. There's like a talking head on the TV. She's in bed with Steve, who thankfully so far is still still around. She's going to do better with him. I believe her. I hope so. I, I, did, I do think I saw her say somewhere that he's fine, but I don't believe anyone anymore. She's like, she jumps in the shower after her workout. Um, and she sits down at that vanity with all the mirrors. I think she takes them. Yeah, she takes some Adderall or something. Yeah, I'm led no. to, I'm thinking. Probably. The mirror has has two faces, <laughs> four faces, four faces. One of them is uh, it's so interesting because she's not looking at the mirror when it happens. That's what's so creepy about it is yeah. one of her reflections turns its head. Yeah. Uh, uh, like black swan or something. Yeah. yeah. So so they're very... making I mean, we know that there's the split happening with Ty and they're just making it very clear for us there. It's mirrors are always creepy to me. I will always yeah. fall for a good mirror bit. So I'm... well, there's the what was it? Bloody Mary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's our cue that that uh, she's really starting to kind of fragment almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and regardless of whether it's like some deep seated like supernatural thing or trauma thing if you don't sleep for a couple of days you're gonna lose reality entirely yeah oh yeah that's i mean that is yeah you're gonna see things you're gonna hear things you're gonna have conversations with people that aren't there like that is a like documented result of lack of sleep and she does start seeing things that aren't there and talking to people that aren't there yeah so she all of a sudden, Sammy is in the house. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I mean, immediately, I think I texted you and I was like, Sammy's not there. And the reason I knew he wasn't there was because he was so smiley and happy. Yeah. And that kid is not normally. No. Like we've, yeah. That's really sad that, that in Ty's dream version, mm-hmm. she's picturing a happy. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, he was like, I just want to see you, Mom, mm-hmm. and, like, gives her a hug, and she's like, oh, go play with Sam, Sammy, go play with Steve, I'll make you a snack. Um, and then she's like, oh, I gotta call Simone and tell her that you're, you know, that he's right. here. Right, she does the right thing there. Yeah, she calls Simone, who seems to be, like, working at a cafe, I, a college professor. The show's so good, because I thought that scene was going to be her being like, what? And then they pan up. And Sammy's like off playing with another kid or something. Right. But no, they give you a they second delay to that be a like, little. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So she comes to the house um, and uh, Ty has chained to the door. And she, when Simone arrives, she's kind of passed out on the table. Sleep has taken over. Um, 
And so she lets Simone in, asks where Sammy is. They can't find him. He's not in the living room. He's not in his bedroom. The window's open. I think we have a moment where, like, maybe he was there and he, like, ran out while Ty was asleep. Um, Interesting to note all the creepy drawings seem to be gone. Yeah. No more eyeballs. Pull them down immediately if I were Ty, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so Simone's freaking out. They, like, get in the car to go find him. And while they're in the car, they get a phone call from Sammy's school. Of course. Of course. He's been there the whole time. For two hours. For two hours. Yep. And this is where Simone realizes she I think she thinks that Ty has made this up or is lying to her. But she does say you're really sick. And so it's hard to know if she really sees what's actually happening, which is that Ty fully imagined the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if she thinks she made it up to kind of manipulate Simone. Yeah. Either way, you see other Ty take over. It is very oh clear when the switch happens. Yep. And yep. do you think it was uh, purposeful or do you think it was, um, uh, what's the word? Or do you think she was just too focused on dealing with that situation to realize what she was doing? So at first I wasn't sure the first time I watched it. And then when I went back, you can clearly see her eyes, like her eyes kind of harden in that way that they do when bad Ty shows mm-hmm. up. But then she looks past Simone, looks at Simone okay. and looks past Simone again. So she knows it's there. The it's coming. so hard to imagine that she doesn't actually see what's happening. She ran, she runs a red light. There's a truck coming. She get they get T-boned by the truck, like right into Simone's side of the car. Mm-hmm. Like that, the way that her eyes move, I I feel like it's super intentional that she clearly knows what she's doing in that moment. Or at least bad tie knows what oh, she's yeah, doing. Bad tie, other yeah. tie. Yeah. This is a scene where, again, we know that the the writers are happy to lie to their cast on this show. So, mm-hmm. But but the, at the very least, the way Tawny is playing her as other tie is kind of like when you think about people who have actual like dissociative um, identity uh I don't know if disorder, disorder yeah, I don't DID. know if disorder is the right word. Um, but mm-hmm. but when they do that it's often a result, it's like a coping, a kind of like thing that happens to cope with trauma and that this mm-hmm. these other identities kind of like sort of take over in, in points of high stress. And it seems like that's how Tawny is playing this. That other Ty is here to like fix things or do things that that day to day Ty can't or won't do for whatever yeah. reason. And Although I, I have read that they're trying, that they're not necessarily trying to portray this as actually right, the idea, right, that exactly. it's more like, you know, kind of loose than that. Yeah. But yeah, either way, this, um, it seems to appear when she is overwhelmed or stressed or put in a corner but in she, some way. But for whether it's supernatural, whether it's an actual medical condition, whether it's neither of those two really, and it's just some thing that happened to this as a response to this unique trauma in in any case, Tawny, at least, seems to think that other Ty is trying to do the right thing. And I'm just wondering what the what she would see doing this to Simone as the right thing. It's hard. For. It's hard to find a it's hard to find a justification for yeah. it, for this one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's her wife and her mm-hmm. son's mother. But that's where the 2021 timeline ends. We've We've put it off long enough. I think we have to talk about the. The dinner scene. The dinner scene. Yeah. Um, a little bit of so Jackie's body is out burning. And then there's some snowfall that 
which happens while, which we forgot to mention, it happens while Nat and Travis are having sex right. during that whole supernatural moment. We see almost like we are flying through the trees, yeah. some sort of wind coming that knocks the snow onto the pyre to perfectly yeah, cook. They're smoking Jackie, basically. They're smoking What her. has happened? Yep. She won't burn to a crisp. She'll just uh, roast to a nice medium rare. So, and it wakes them all up out of their sleep. The smell. Yeah. And it's like, they're like, it's like a cartoon. It's like, there's like a freshly baked pie on a windowsill. Mm-hmm. Like they're all following the little, like the stink, the like good stink lines, basically. Yep. Shauna wakes up first and it seems like she feels the baby move or something. Mm-hmm. She's like touching her stomach. And then. Well, that's also then... where Shauna's ear is. So who knows? So. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, we see Van and Ty wake up and Ty, Van says, what is that? And Ty says, we have to go. And it seems like she's in that fugue state. Yeah. She's not, her oh, eyes look in that weird way that I'm, they look. I'm like almost certain Ty does not know that What's they happening. have eaten Jackie at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they all kind of stumble out to the porch. Um, just want to put a, a little note here that there is a weird pulley hook thing happening hanging on the porch that we see a couple times in the background on purpose, it Mm -hmm. seems like. It's, like, framed very carefully. And it reminds me of the way that they're hanging the meat. Right. In the beginning of season one. Well, and also the shape and the symbol. There's a little bit of a hook. The hook. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that just seemed intentional to Mm me. Um, So they all kind of stumble outside. There's the antlers are kind of framed behind Shauna in this scene. Um, And they walk out to charred Jackie. And then we have another needle drop for uh, climbing up the walls by Radiohead. Radiohead. That hits right as Shauna kneels. Yeah. I'm not a yeah. huge Radiohead fan. I either, no. I loved um, OK Computer and what was the one before that? The Benz? I was not a huge Radiohead person either, although I did see uh, Brandy Carlisle cover Creep recently, and it was actually pretty incredible. And some of the lyrics that we get are like, uh, I am the key to the lock in your house that keeps your toys in the basement. You know we're friends till we die. And either way you turn, I'll be there. Open up your skull. I'll be there climbing up the walls. Um, So. Yeah. I mean, this is Jackie to Shauna, but it's also all of them to all of them. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So lock the kids up safe tonight. Shut the eyes in the cupboard. I've got the smell of a local man who's got the loneliest feeling. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, yeah. She kneels down. Lottie sits next to her. Um, Shauna rubs her stomach and says she wants us to. And then we start having this like mass hallucination flash back and forth to this like Bacchanal or this Dionysian feast. And it's and in the in the feast, they're not eating meat of any kind. It's all there's a chicken on the table. Oh, is there a chicken on the table? Yeah, there's a chicken on the table, a big old roast, a roast chicken. But they're eating fruit. Shauna eats a strawberry first. Yeah, they're drinking wine. They're kind of like it's this like. You know, there's been a lot of conversation recently about um, the Greek myth of Dionysus mm-hmm. and the um, the women. I can't pronounce the name oh, of the, the, the maenads or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That are followers. But it's very much that type of scene. Well, and with, I mean, this episode is called Edible Complex, which is obviously a, a exactly. play on edible. That's hard to, edible yeah. complex. Edible, edible, edible yeah. 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 Um, but I thought it was interesting, right before they start to actually eat, there's a prolonged pause where they're all making eye contact with one another, mm-hmm. where it seems like they're coming to this decision as a group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Shauna makes the first move. They're waiting for her to do that. But they're all acknowledging, in a way, to each other what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. 
and it seems very intentional and like a very specific moment it's yeah they're like all deciding they know this is a turning point that yeah and they're all yeah, deciding yeah, yeah. to make it together for sure well yeah almost all of them almost all of them yeah and shauna has her knife which we see a number of times and she makes the first makes the first cut and it clearly starts to get very um I think they said something about how they wanted it to feel awful and also celebratory Mm -hmm. because they are starving. Yeah. And so they do actually need this sort of sustenance, but it gets gross real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're kind of like a pack of animals, a pack of wolves, you know, like gathered around this meal. And we see that really through Ben's eyes, which is our our one abstention Mm -hmm. from this. He is... It's not even just, I mean, it's horrifying that they eat her, but when you see it through his eyes with them all hunched over, because it is Mm -hmm. like, on the one hand, if they don't, they're going to die. Like, they need to eat, and they didn't, it it was a a lucky accident that she got smoked to perfection. Yeah. I saw an interview with Ella Purnell, who was like, I give them permission. (laughs) But I think that probably Jackie would, too, like... Right. It, but it's that it is that sort of like animalistic yeah. way that they do it that yeah. is that seems so shocking to Ben and to us. Yeah. And I think we see it as shocking be, partly because of his reaction. Right. He like backs away slowly on his crutch, you know, that is pro- really, really pronounced in that moment. Yeah. He backs into the cabin and he starts to walk away from the door and then he slams it shut. And that's that like, you know, really dramatic like, oh, my God, is he next yeah. kind of moment. I know. I really worry for him. Well, and especially because, like, you know, we were thinking last week, like, why does Ben get his own room? And he's mm-hmm. just he's older and he's a man. And so, like, there are reasons that the separation makes sense. But it's all but we're also seeing, like, there's also a different kind of separation between him and these yeah. these girls. It's this last gasp of authority. That well, he... and Travis. I keep saying these girls. Travis yeah. is in there, too. But. But he's supposed to be their age, even yeah. though he's like 30. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it definitely feels like this is now going to be those who partook and then him. Right. And I think if I had, you know, the Jackie hangover the next day and had to deal with what I had done and there was somebody there who hadn't, yeah, that would feel like very hard for me to take. Yeah. That there was someone who had, who had resisted regardless of how hungry he clearly is. Mm-hmm. Um. Do we think after this episode, what do we think the over under on um, Ben making it back to civilization? It's not looking good. I mean, to begin with, he should have died when his leg got cut off. And like, he's really his only. So Travis says we all have a reason or we all have something to contribute. We all have our role. Yeah. Yeah. And Ben's role so far has has been the adult in the room. And then it's also he's been working with Nat on the mapping and Mm -hmm. all of that. But Nat partook in this. And I think maybe this is where we start to see a split come between them. Yeah. Because he can't really do much to help them. He's kind of a burden at this Mm -hmm. point. I could also see Ben deciding for himself that he's done out here. Yeah. I could too. I mean, like, if you see the writing on the wall and you're like, oh, God, like, what happens next? You know, these mm-hmm. people are not going to see any use for me. I don't know. I He doesn't have much protection No. out there. He's reliant on them for food. He's reliant on them for everything. Um, and if he feels like he's now in danger, 
I don't know. We have seen some flash forward scenes or scenes from upcoming episodes where he's like basically crying. And so I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon because I got the impression that that was from maybe the birth episode. But and I know we're going to get more of a focus on him soon or at least sometime this season because we know we meet his boyfriend, Paul, at some point. And so maybe we get that focus on him right before we lose him. Right. I don't know. Right. You know, it would be a very lost thing to do to give us like a Ben flashback where we learn, you know, yeah. his all about back. Paul. Yeah. And then they kill him. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that I, I can't imagine him surviving this and them and what happened, the quote unquote, what happened out there of it all not being public because if he survives, and he doesn't partake in this and he still lives somehow like he's the he's the truth out there like yeah. he's you know he's the, the one who oh actually though jody that's a really good point we don't i mean yeah i don't know yeah now i don't know we'll see i mean i would love him to survive so and like i said in the flash forward we see shauna saying everything feels out of control we see ty screaming um i think we're about to find out that ty you know finds out after the fact what they did the night before um we see misty going out to walter's houseboat which i love that he's in a houseboat of course he is and we see a very quick flash of nat shooting what appears to maybe be a caribou so there's this speculation um in the in the wilds of reddit that now that they've sacrificed either javi or like has the blood burning up and jackie and all that now that they have given into these urges they're being rewarded by the forest uh, with some food. So I don't know. We'll see. But we do see her shooting something from the inside of the plane. And then we see Shauna threatening someone with, one with a gun saying, um, have you ever, I don't have the quote, but peel the skin off, off of a, a corpse. Hu- have you ever peeled the skin off of a human corpse? Yeah. So that's uh, Shauna's yikes. Such a specific like th- threat. threat. Yeah. Yeah, I would be afraid of Shauna. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so next week we've got the uh, the Jackie hangover. I just want to quickly put a pin in or bring up the heliotrope conversation yes. before we go, because that is sort of one of the latest theories that has come around that I find interesting as someone who likes the practical explanations for things. Yeah, I would say, listeners, this is not as um, f- <laughs> fleshed out. As, as last week's theory. So I don't know that right. this is what you need to skip if you're really yeah. trying to... It's literally one word that was said that everybody kind of latched onto because it was unusual. Because um, we all watched Lost. Yeah. So Lottie mentions heliotrope, which, yes, is a flower. Yes, is a plant that can be used to dye things. Yes, is a, also a bloodstone, which is another interesting bit of language there. Um, but someone on reddit who i really should give credit to because it was not me that came up with this and i have let me pull that up because i i'm all about giving credit Mm -hmm. i'll add while you're pulling that up jody um one of the things that's interesting about uh heliotrope is that it's it's the kind of plant that that chases the sun like yes it it turns to face the sun which we talked last week about everybody being in purple and um and again today and um or in this week's episode lottie in like a a bright orange color uh Mm -hmm. very clearly drawing lines between her followers and herself as the the sun they should all be turning toward yeah yeah also it's been used historically as an herbal remedy to heal wounds but also um for uterine issues which is Hmm. interesting all right found it 
So um, a user named Vitamin Gem <laughs> posted on the Yellow Jacket subreddit um, in a thread that they called, did Lottie just give a clue as, on what the symbol is? It could be their way out. So yes, Helotrope is a plant. Yes, it's a bloodstone, but it's also a, an instrument that used to be used by surveyors. And so I'm just gonna read from this. And it says, it's a surveying tool used in triangulation surveys. It uses the sun to flash a light ray towards a point, a precursor to modern laser geodetic tools, like the flash of light right, right. that they saw across the lake. So then he says, or she says, or they say, is the symbols, is the symbol surveying markers? Was the dead guy actually a surveyor and not a hunter? Did they use it to find the best way through the mountains? So many rabbit holes to dive into. And so we have a friend who's a surveyor who I really want to ask about this. <laughs> But it also, it's a little interesting connection to the trigonometry thing that kept coming up in season yeah. one. Yeah, right? oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, and so, and it also would then relate to the idea of when the sun hits the peak, these like lines in the symbol could be mm -hmm. directional lines. So I don't know, I'm, I'm into it. It's an interesting theory. It doesn't negate the mind theory either. I think it's, I just think it's interesting that it ties yeah. together... A number of things we've talked about it i mean that flash of light over the lake has never been explained yeah other than really just a point. reflection of the window in the cabin which doesn't seem likely mm -mm. that cabin is under a bunch of trees no yeah and that flash seemed very like a very like particular kind of flash yeah and from what i read one of the reasons it was so useful was that it could be seen for miles well, like so it had to be daylight it had to be a clear day um certain times of day it would work but you could see it for like miles and miles away and it was a way to identify places that would have been otherwise hidden. It's very, it's very cool to think about this like person in the cabin venturing out to survey this land and track this land, and then Nat and Travis kind of taking that on mm -hmm. and marking trees with those ribbons that are mm -hmm. reminiscent of that. That's yeah, very I think cool. we, we might need to get Bonaduce on here. I would love to just do an all heliotrope, all land surveying hour of um of the watchers. You know he'd be up for it. Oh my god, yeah. That would be super fun. You know fun. he'd be up for it. If you're not listening to New Jersey of the World, you're missing out on uh learning all about the infrastructure of the state through <laughs> through one man's uh surveyor uh experience. Bonaduce uh, Which doesn't sound very exciting, but it actually is it, very interesting. I was just going to say, I love, yeah, I've learned, I've genuinely learned so much from Botaduch, and it makes me, it's one of the, like, happy little accidents of New Jersey is the world, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I will say, we're going to have um, one of our other friends over there, um, Carson, on sometime soon. Yay! He's a big Yellow Jackets fan and a wonderful person, and he'll yes. be, um, and I think closer to the a little closer to the girl's age as well i think he's like right between the two of us actually mm -hmm. jody so yeah it's kind of perfect yeah. but uh he'll be a fun one to to talk to also listeners head over to left of the dial fm um jody was my guest this week on my music podcast and we got deep into the music of yellow jackets which we haven't been able to do as much over here yeah yeah, I, uh, I'm on all the podcasts apparently now. <laughs> this is my thing. I told you, they're like tattoos. I quit my day job. That's right. Oh, don't quit your day job. Unless, no, unless your new day job is also going to be podcasts like me. But you, I, no, I, I will not be quitting my day job. I would advise but, uh, against, you don't get tenure as a podcast producer, I'll tell you fair, that. Fair, fair. Um, but no, I had a good time. We, we talked music. Nobody's ever asked me to talk about music, but I could talk about 90s music forever. You crushed it. It was super fun. It was fun. So yeah, check that out and follow us 
on Watchers Pod NJ, Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe. Please rate. Rate review. Do all the things. Please. Yes. Tell your friends. Please tell your friends. I mean, really, this if you listen to podcasts more than this one, none of this is new to you. But word of mouth is really, really helpful. Yeah. Really, one of the things I'd love to have to build our listener base because I want more people to talk to about the yeah. show. And yeah. so you know, follow us yeah. on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you're thinking about the show. Tag us in Yellow Jacket stuff that you think we want to see. Yeah. Any yeah. instance of Tawny's perfect accent, for oh my example. God. Yes. Please send us any any uh, video clips of Tawny sounding like a New Jersey angel. <laughs> we love her so much. But yeah, that's it. Next week, we get to see the Jackie hangover and uh, see how they react to having uh, had a feast of their friend. <laughs> This has been The Watchers. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Yep. See you in the woods. <laughs> oh, I like see you in the woods. Yeah.